Welcome back to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Hendel. Our last podcast, we were talking to Sarah Kuzan, who joins us again to continue our discussion about being a child caught in our criminal justice system. Sarah, you you were released in 2013, and I was fascinated by something you said in an article written about you. You commented about Viktor Frankl, who's an author I greatly, greatly admire. He was a Holocaust survivor. What was his philosophy, and what did it have to do with you? So, um, <laughs> I was his philosophy is basically like no matter how difficult the situation you're you are being faced with, if you look deep enough, you, you have we have the ability inside of us to explore our ability to, to be better, to be kinder in the moment of trauma or, or ugliness, or do we become the person who imposes that level of harm? However, today I realize it's not that black and white. It's not. In what sense? Can you expand a little? Mm-hmm. So it continues, right? The pain that we feel, we project that on each other, the socially constructed reality. Sometimes those, those moments are very much concentrated. Might be easier to to kind of reflect and share but when it's vast, like in the community and then the city and then the state and then another state, it grows exponentially. So you're dealing with this imbalance that's constant. And then you, you see who you are or who you can be. And, And I say that because my belief when I came home and the experience that I've had in the last seven or eight years has truly humbled me in ways that just like, how can we really show up, be honest, be accountable, rather it's the best part of us or the not so best part of us. So that's the gray area, right? I hope I explain. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, too, what I remember about his book, Man's Search for Meaning, is that in the camps, everything was taken away. Um, you had no control over anything when you ate, if you ate, if you had to stand out in the cold or not. Um, so much. And his, I think his feeling was the one thing that couldn't be taken away is your mind. What, mm. what choices you make, um, your thoughts. And I, I think um, that is certainly true, again, whether you're incarcerated or you're out, uh, that you always have a pathway. It may not be the best circumstances, but um, in that sense, you can choose. I, I think that was also part of his belief system. Would you agree? It was. But I, again, I think that that's very black and white because our yeah. mind 
is, is based on how we perceive or value the truth of the reality, right? Our heart and our soul might go a little deeper, mm-hmm. meaning it, it questions your heart and soul has the, the capacity to question the mind's perception of reality. You know, how difficult was that transition? You just mentioned that you've been out for about seven or eight years um, after spending about 19, uh, right, inside. Um, How difficult was that transition from prison to the larger world outside? It's continue. It's still unfolding for me. I don't so think I'll not, ever. It's not a was. It's not a was. Difficult. It's an is. It is. It's a being. It is a present. It is an is. It is an is. All right. So the difficulty remains. Different challenges, I guess, as you as you go along. Um, Absolutely. Would Would you have done anything? differently um, in terms of the time you have been out or do you feel you know whatever occurred was uh, the way it should have been Hmm. that is a kaleidoscope type question there Harriet (laughs) (laughs) all right um you can just say no we haven't then we (laughs) That's okay. it, it, it is, I can, I can create it. I can share with you a colorful response because I have different perspectives good. on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Go ahead. From one perspective, I would have totally did everything different. I would have been a little bit more prepared. I would have been more informed. I would have been more inclusive on some of the decisions. Um, more vulnerable. I would have been more vulnerable. More vulnerable. I would have been more vulnerable. And then I also look at the beauty of how life unfolds upon itself in an organic and (laughs) synchronized manner. So who am I to say this should not have happened, right? Like, because who knows where the depth of, of the essence of how we perceive life, like where would I be if I had more control over things? The fact that there was this fluid catapulting free for all, hey, (laughs) um, type approach has been very rewarding, but also very difficult. So, and and how can you know? You talk about being prepared. How can you even imagine after nineteen years? what it's going to be like when you're not there in prison anymore. I mean, you can maybe piggyback off someone else's experience, but that's someone else, not you, right? Right. It's very unique, very personal, (laughs) very Very personal. Very much much indeed. Um, Was there support for you when you came out? There was support for me. I have noticed that Mm, I, there was a lot of support. Oh, that's um, 
but the support also waned away. It was, it was, there was more support around the cause of releasing me from being incarcerated, mm -hmm. right? Then it was transitioning into a community, which I felt like a Martian because I had been gone for like almost 20 years. So it's like, you're stepping into a whole new time cap. I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I so. think. Yeah, I, we have had a number of, of guests talking about that issue. And I tell you, I don't think it's ever enough to talk about what happens when you come home, whether it's 30 years or mm -hmm. 20, whatever it is, it is so difficult. And I, I don't think there's enough support in the country very few organizations. Uh, I, I'm still looking to find more and interview people because I think it's such a critical topic, such a critical topic. Um, I wanted to ask you um, about your artwork because as I said to you, I never knew you had that talent and I know people can't see it, of course, but how could our listeners see your artwork? if they wanted to. Oh, Harriet. Um, can I send you a link for that? It was, so, oh, so it's, only, it's just a link. But how, how could we tell people? Could they just put your name uh, on Google? And is there is there a way to locate it? Yes, I did. Um, I was invited to a piece with the San Francisco University. There's artwork that was done. I was invited to participate. I was very humbled to be to share the space with the other artists. Um, yes, you can um, Google it, you know. Would you put your name and just artwork? What would you put? <clears throat> I'm sorry, Harriet, I know it sounds silly, but I, You're not I sure. guess you would, I'm not sure. Yet. Oh, okay. I, I just some, stumbled yeah. on it, I guess. I yeah. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And, and the artwork, what, what did it do for you to become involved in art? Okay, so the art for me, the expression, it's very intimate. It's very personal. And I think mm -hmm. that's why in this space, I'm, I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, a little bit exposed because, um, <laughs> It's, it's, it's an opera, it's an avenue. It's my quiet space, right? It's, it's my prayer closet. It's my, um, my moment where I'm not feeling judged or limited and whatever comes out, comes out. And I'm still exploring what is, has, what's coming out. And, um, I know while I was in prison, we would do activities where we would, um, prepare for Christmas. And I, I found out that I, I love art in prison, you know? Wow. So that's, that, that was how it began in, yes. in prison. Well, that's yes. And for some, Sarah, it's writing. Yes. It's expressing yourself in words. So for you, it was painting. What's your medium? What's your favorite medium? So I have used uh, acrylic. I work on, you know, the stretched canvas. I've worked on wood. 
I've used um, ashes, mm. uh, avocado oil. Um, oh boy. Yeah, just um, kind of like a variety. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. So as you look back, um, I, I one before I say that, um, I've watched a few documentaries about you. And, and once again, I'm sure listeners can put your name on Google and they will come up. Um, was it difficult to be a part of any of those documentaries or were you pleased with um, having made them or that they were made uh, about you? Yes and no. Um, I think because of the emotional triggers that that tend to uh, have a residual impact and then I'm left to kind of like fix that and heal that. And um, But I think the vulnerability or the, the sacrifices that we all make to, to open up those doors, right? To have these conversations definitely have a value in it. Um, rather, I walked away having all kinds of feelings and thoughts. The point is, is if one person is, is inspired or that's right, then that's what matters. Yeah. I think film is such a strong medium, um, especially when you're able to tell your story yourself instead of someone telling it for you. But mm -hmm. um, you then are in control of the message. So in the films, um, there, there's so many documentaries that I, I love. And I think they, they all serve a purpose in helping people understand what your message is. So um, I, I think I encourage people to try to find them. I, things are easy to find on the, on the internet. So as you look back over the last, what, seven, eight years, um, are you where you want to be? And what do you think still needs to be done for kids in the justice system? Kind of a two-part question. So I am where I feel like it is to be right now. Um, I'm accepting the process as it unfolds. I do hope to be in a space that um, has more peace and more grounding. I feel that we could do a lot better in regards to our children, not only on a policy level, but also supporting parents and everyone who has direct contact with um, children, you know, and really meeting the needs of individuals, you know, even though there's, there's a wisdom, there's a wisdom in what the needs are for some of us. That does not mean that I myself um, am not learning. I'm learning every day, you know, so, and when, when you say um, so much needs to be done for children, if you could magically wave a wand um, 
and fix things, what what would you what would you focus on specifically? Well, I would like to call on all grandparents that <laughs> that that have a little bit of extra time, right? Like <laughs> you know, there are people in our community where the grandparents are just so valuable because you have such wisdom and such love. And and how can you hold space for children, rather they're in in our system as we try to fight to get them out of the system. I don't think any child, no child, no child should be held in in an institution because as parents, right? Whether our child is doing something, we wanna correct their behavior. If I was to put my child in a closet, right? For an hour to correct her behavior, authorities would be at my door, you know? right for child abuse but why is it that our policies are inundated it is they're oozing with this type of thought process again cognitive dissonance we just we just stop it and create the spaces that's more based in in home and love and compassion simple we could do it too simple so are are you alluding to solitary confinement kind of thing uh, where that has got to go uh, for kids in our justice system and, and it's still very much there is that mm-hmm. one of one of the things you definitely about? definitely because those behavior patterns when you have when you subject a child to those type of things for over a period of time that will lead in their life as an adult right you set a pattern and our and, and our are there resources in play to help realign the patterns, the broken patterns that are implemented in our children's brains? Right. And and what about, um, you know, I think this probably falls under Sarah's law, the, the mixing of children in an adult prison system. You know, that too. There's so many um, that I know James will be talking about when we meet him shortly. Um, The judge in your case could have imposed a a lesser sentence on you and he he did not. Um, Do you have any any insight into why that happened? The judge in my case, um, they sent you, they sent, so during my, before my sentencing, the judge had an opportunity to send me to CYA, the California Youth Authority at the time. Um, I had went for a 90-day evaluation where you see, you know, designated individuals to make a decision, a well-informed decision, um, and a recommendation. The recommendation was for me to come back. The the severity of the crime, they still felt that um, for me to come back as a juvenile, right, Youth Authority number, and serve out my sentence and then parole at the age of 25 and have therapeutic opportunities and everything. This was all laid out for the judge to take into consideration um, in his sentencing. He also had the discretion to sentence me to 25 to life. And then he had the discretion to sentence me to life without the possibility of parole plus four years. Um, despite the mitigating factors for me to be housed at the CYA, he went ahead and sentenced me to life without the possibility of parole and then reinstated 
um, court fines and a $10,000 restitution fine that I had to pay to victim services, not taking into account if I had the means to pay that restitution. So how, how in the world could you have, and you did pay that? How, how is that possible that you could have paid that fine? Again, I don't think the judges are fully informed about how the institutions and the policies are Im implemented on, on those who end up becoming in the system. Mm -hmm. And so I did pay it off towards the end. I had help from the supporters and I was, oh, great. Mm -hmm. but it was at least seven to $8,000 that I had paid over those 19 years from working between being paid nine cents an hour to being paid maybe, I think my most pay was maybe like 50, 55 cents an hour after the restitution is deducted. So they take off about 55% from being paid 55 cents an hour. So you, you kind of figure that in, you, you know, you still have a man, you still manage to pay it off. It's <laughs> insane. I wonder how many states impose that type of fine. I have no idea. It's just so it's additionally cruel. It's a disgrace against humanity. So it is. It's, it certainly, certainly is. Um, well, I, I wonder if you want to comment on what, what you would like to see going way forward in, in terms of, of changes uh, as you look ahead what 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 do you hope for well i hope to, to see more of an inclusive um sharing participation amongst everyone who is directly impacted about the laws policies procedures implementations i think being able to give voice to those who the represent the representative actually represents <laughs> and having mm -hmm. a larger forum can help set um the healing space that's based in compassion and really looking at how we can reimagine what our policies can look like to create a sense of wealth, uh, wellness, connection and community and safety for everyone involved. That's a, that's a great uh, hope on, on your part and the part of, of all the people that uh, want to see those changes. And, and hopefully it's a bipartisan hope not just on one side, right? It yes. should be the community uh, wanting to make some big, big changes in how we handle children. Absolutely. Justice system. And I know from doing a lot of research uh, for classes I teach that other countries do better and that we can learn from them. And in some ways we have, in some ways we have, uh, but yes. I think we need to go much farther and much deeper. So yes. it was an absolute pleasure to have you as my guest today and last week on the program. And I, I hope people will look at your artwork, your documentaries, uh, anything they can find about you and, and get to know you even better. And I'm mm -hmm. so proud of what you have done with your life you. and keep, keep the prize in mind, right? Well, <laughs> keep your I appreciate eye on you. Prize. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you today. And you. Uh, my love is with you, as you as you well know. So yes. thank you again. Big I love you, Harriet. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs>
And next yeah. next time we will have a friend of Sarah's. His name is James Dold. He is the CEO and founder of Human Rights for Kids. I did not know about him until Sarah suggested that we have him on the program. So he will be on uh, in a couple of weeks and share his perspective of what needs to be done for kids in our justice system. So thank you for that referral, Sarah. That's and an thank you honor. once again for being with us today. And I hope our listeners tune in next time on Pursuing Justice. Thank you.